This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. Today, we have a special guest who I bet every single one of our listeners is already a fan of. I'm Absolutely. so excited. Uh, but I, okay, wait, let me say first what the show is. It's Paula Abdul. Paula Abdul is. <laughs> it's, well, it's because, uh, well, for years now, we've always said that opposites attract. <laughs> Like the two of us. That's why you and I came together. That's right. I take things easy. And I like to smoke. No, baby, I make a mess. No, wait. Wait. Wait, I have a really important question. No, I did it wrong. Go ahead. Which which one am I? Am I the the cartoon cat or Paula Abdul? That's literally exactly what I was going to ask. I think you're I think you're MC Scat Cat. Uh, so, Matthew, hold on. Uh, have we even said yet what the show is, is about today? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I never remember things that happened like four minutes ago. OK, OK. Uh, so today's episode is pan fried noodles. Yeah. And uh, our special guest uh, is I'm going to say better than Paula Abdul. Take yes. that. Yes. And definitely better than the weird cartoon cat, like by a million times. Um, <laughs> oh, and here comes our special guest. So to teach us about pan-fried noodles today, we've got Caitlin and Sarah Lung from The Walks of Life. And The Walks of Life is just one of the best recipe and cooking blogs of all time. It was created by a family of four, Bill, Judy, Sarah, and Caitlin Lung. And it is Spilled Milk's number one resource for Chinese cuisine. And if you've listened to this show, like it, it's probably yours also. Um, many recipes from The Walks, Walks of Life are certainly Amster Burton family favorites. And it is now also a best-selling cookbook, The Walks of Life, Recipes to Know and Love, from a Chinese-American family, and we are delighted to have Sarah and Caitlin on Spilled Milk today. Sarah and Caitlin, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, thanks for having us. Congratulations on your book launch. I feel so lucky that we are able to talk with the two of you in the midst of such a busy time. So congrats. Thanks. Yeah, it's been a whirlwind for sure. Oh, yeah. I bet. Yeah. How's how's it going? Like, have you have you done any any like memorable events or or met any cool people so far? I mean, aside from us, obviously, yeah, we're cool. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, the. 
we have met some really cool people. Um, we got to meet J. Kenji Lopez Alt, which is super exciting. Obviously, we know of him. <laughs> um, <laughs> many people do. But yeah, we got to meet him in person and chat with him at Book Larder out in Seattle. So that was really great. Awesome. Yeah. And then we've also met Grace Young, who is like... I love Grace. Yeah, she is like an icon and an OG and such a great advocate for Chinatowns and for Chinese cooking. So, you know, we like brought our copies of her books for her to sign. And, you know, we just had a great panel discussion with her the other day, um, actually about authenticity in Chinese cooking. So yeah, it's just been really awesome because we're usually like hidden behind our computers, like at our house in the middle of Sure. New Jersey. And it's been really great getting out and meeting people and meeting readers too. Yeah. We've, we have had Kenji on the show. We should, we should ask Grace if she would be on our show. Yeah. She's amazing. So what are pan fried noodles? Like let's, let's jump right in. Yeah. So I think that there's a lot of confusion when it comes to pan fried noodles, because you see a lot of different translations of it and they're there are just so many like quote unquote fried noodle dishes out there that it right. can sometimes be confusing. But a pan fried noodle is primarily a Hong Kong style crispy noodle that you uh, you boil the noodle first to cook it and then you pan fry it in oil and you get this like really crispy kind of thin golden noodle that you can then either uh, stir fry with other ingredients or you could um, just have this kind of fried golden cake of noodles and then put on top of it like a stir fry of like meat and vegetables. Yeah, we call it crispy noodle cake in my house. Like when someone requests it for dinner, that's what they say. Yes, (laughs) that is accurate. So will you talk a little bit about the type of noodle that you use? Yeah, so it's a thin Hong Kong style noodle. You'll find it in Chinese grocery stores. Not to be confused with Hong Kong style wonton noodles, which can sometimes trip people up because they look kind of similar. They're a similar thickness and they're both kind of, they have like that yellowish color. One, the wonton noodle is actually meant to be cooked in soup, while the pan-fried noodle is meant to be obviously pan-fried. So you'll find it in the Chinese grocery store labeled literally Hong Kong style pan-fried noodle. You can actually buy it fresh or you could buy it dried. So you can see it in the refrigerated section near the other fresh noodles, or you can go to the dry noodle aisle. And some of the uh, varieties have like are like shrimp flavored, if that's your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually have shrimp added to the the noodle dough, which is also really delicious and something that we yeah. ate a lot of when we were in Hong Kong uh, a few years ago. Is this the kind of dish where... Like if you can't find that particular noodle, can you substitute or should you just make something else? It's really tough. I would say make something else, honestly, okay. yeah. because I've actually tried. I've tried with other noodles and I've actually tried making them from scratch. So we have a, a Chinese egg noodle recipe on the blog. And I was like, hey, these kind of look they look a little bit like the pan fried noodles. And I was like, I wonder if I could pan fry them. And it's just not the same. No, it doesn't really work. The noodle itself is, is almost like it has a kind of a dryish texture. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. And so if you try to pan fry a regular fresh noodle dough, it just kind of turns out it's not as crispy. It kind of cakes together and doesn't like stay separate. 
So it's a challenging one for sure. Yeah, the the brand that I've seen most often is I think Twin Marquee. I always get the Twin Marquee yep. and Twin Dragon brands confused. Those are classic brands. Yeah. Yeah, I have I have occasionally substituted like something that I found like in the you know Asian ingredients aisle at the at the supermarket, and like. I don't mind if it kind of like mushes together into a cake as long as it's crispy on the outside. So if that sounds like it could be your thing, it won't be the same, but it's worth a shot. It's worth a shot. Yeah. And if you're if like if, for example, you're gluten free, you could try you could attempt it with like a rice noodle where you like, you know, you boil the rice noodles, you rinse them off to get rid of the excess starch. You kind of let them dry off a bit and just fluff them up a bit and like maybe um toss them in a little bit of oil and then try to pan fry it like i haven't actually personally tried that but i feel like it's worth a shot um, especially if you're gluten-free so in the book you've got uh, like a beef and vegetable stir-fried dish to serve on top of pan-fried noodles which uh, which looks excellent and then i noticed on the on the uh, website you've got many stir-fried noodle uh, uh, fried noodle dishes can you serve any stir-fry on top of pan-fried noodles and if not like how do you choose one that will go well um, I think you can, like, you can essentially serve any stir fry you like uh, over a pan fried noodle. I think that ideally the stir fry is relatively saucy um, yeah. because you want that sauce to kind of seep into the noodles and flavor them, and but not too much sauce because sometimes there's too much sauce and then you lose the crispiness of the noodle. Yeah. But the classics are kind of, uh, there's a chicken version which we have on the blog we did the beef version for the cookbook actually one of my favorites is the pork pan fried noodle because it has chinese garlic chives in it and it's just like a really tasty delicate flavor they're actually dishes where there's no sauce at all or like this the noodle dish is primarily dry and this is like a dry stir fry and the texture of the noodle is just is mostly just crispy um which that one's one of my favorites excellent i feel like you also left out the seafood variety Oh, yes. Seafood is another one. Oh, for sure. With shrimp and scallops. And squid. Squid? Yeah, squid. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) So for listeners who may have never made or eaten these kinds of pan fried noodles, is the goal to have sort of this like cake with defined boundaries? Or do you want it to be like almost like a nest of noodles that you can unravel? Or is it up to the chef or the cook? (laughs) I'm glad you asked this question. It's a good (laughs) question. Because I think for most of our lives, we've been used to more of like a nest of noodles where it's crispy. There are some like more soft parts so you get like more of a variety of texture and I think actually something that has become a popular shortcut especially in restaurants is like just kind of like shallow frying the noodles into like a cake form and that's where that kind of like cake shape I think like that term probably comes from and then you get like it's almost like crispy to the extreme and I'll speak for myself but I also think that this is the case in our entire family like we prefer the nest approach where it's a little bit less like high octane on the crispy factor. And then you get like more of like the, you can actually like pick up some, you know, you get a good noodle pull out of it. Okay, this is really interesting because I have always done like the high octane crispy cake version at home. (laughs) And so now I'm going to like, 
take it take it upon myself and take your advice and uh, and try the the more nest like approach. Well, there's different philosophies. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, sure. You know, Sarah will stand over the stove and like really make sure that like almost every noodle is crisp. Whereas when I'm making it, I like to back off earlier because I like a little chewy feeling, and I don't yeah. like to just feel like I'm kind of like eating this pile of like. <laughs> matchstick noodles but sarah will like scoff at me and be like you simpleton like you're eating your crispy noodles not that crispy and i'm like "Eh, to each their own well i have a so i have a question about this then so okay when you're flipping the cake of pan fried noodles can you just like flip it in that like confident chefy way or do you have to use like a couple spatulas and a plate and or does it depend upon like the style in which you're cooking them and if you can't do this feel free to lie and say you can who's gonna (laughs) (laughs) i feel like it's really a forgiving dish it's not even as nerve wracking i don't think as like a frittata can be if i were to make it i would just flip it in sections like I would take a spatula and like you know flip it in quarters if you have the arm strength and like the (laughs) arm length like my my short arm just like can't handle like every shape of walk like doing a one generous flip like I'm like uh you know like I kind of struggle a little bit you could do it in one go if you feel confident but yeah, even if it kind of flops over, you just straighten it out a little bit. And, you know, they're noodles, so you can kind of reshape them. Yeah, the thing I do at home, and like like we said, like I, I like make make like the, the matchstick overly, overly crisp noodles <laughs> approach. I will like slide it out of the pan onto a plate. Then I'll put another plate on top of that and flip it and then slide it back in. So I've like dirtied two Very plates nice. unnecessarily. <laughs> That's what dishwashers are That's for. That's what dishwashers are for. Yep. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> So I noticed while while we were researching for this episode that a pan fried noodle dish was one of the was maybe the first episode you ever published on Walks of Life. And I, I'm not sure if it was one of the ones that you that you mentioned when we were when we were talking about different topics. I think it was like the spicy one. Yes, it was the very first recipe that we recorded on the blog wow. way back in two, 2013. And it was it was that because actually, you know, we talk about the origin story of the blog a lot. You know, my sister and I grew up loving to cook, but we realized we had no idea how to cook like the foods that our parents prepared for us growing up. Maybe we took them for granted a little bit. And so we started the blog to record those recipes. But I would say that like the one Chinese thing that we reliably could make was these pan fried noodles because they're so easy. And our mom taught us how to make them at a really early age. Often it was like our after school snack. I'm saying snack, snack in air quotes, because it was like a full meal. Um, (laughs) But it's basically just, as I mentioned, you boil the noodles uh, for not long, like one minute, you drain them, and then you pan fry them in oil on both sides. You go for whatever crispy level (laughs) you prefer. Uh, And from there, you take them out, you put them on a plate, you drizzle with a little bit of uh, Chinese light soy sauce, Mm -hmm. um, a little bit of sesame oil, and maybe a little bit of chili oil, if that's your thing. If you want a little bit of white pepper on there, that adds a little something. You mix it, and that's it. It's the easiest recipe ever. And it was the first one we recorded because it was the one that we actually knew how to make. Like, I literally had it for lunch two days ago. Like, we still eat it really often. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's one of my, my all-time favorite, like, easy meals to throw together. It's one of those recipes where it's almost terrifying. Like, when you sit down, you're like, I think that's enough. 
And then you're like, well, maybe like a little more, like just one more handful. (laughs) And then like you have this plate that's just like mounded with noodles. And like as you eat it, you're just like, "Mm." and like it's gone. (laughs) Like it's just gone. Like where like if you were to sit down and eat the equivalent amount of spaghetti, like you might be like concerned. Uh But like the, the, the noodles are so like thin and light and just like delicious. Like that's why we call it a quote-unquote snack it's not actually that filling to be fair to us not that filling but yeah it's just like incredibly delicious and like when you use like your preferred chili oil because like now there's so many out there you know it's that much better we will we will link to that recipe in the show notes at spilledmilkpodcast.com molly's heard this story a million times but when i was so so now as an adult like i have an embarrassingly small appetite for a food person but when i was a teenager <laughs> a frequent after school snack would for me would be i would come home from school i would get a couple of costco burger patties out of the freezer i would turn on a the couple. gas grill a couple <laughs> turn on the gas grill grill them up put a couple of craft singles on there and that would be my after school snack and then i would <laughs> dinner (laughs) (laughs) i don't even know who that guy was (laughs) so i remember a time oh it was when matthew and i recorded an episode about like apple varieties or something and matthew had probably eaten the equivalent of half of an average sized apple and was like oh god oh that's really filling i was like "Ah." hey fiber yeah yeah sure (laughs) fiber i hit i hit a wall at some point it could happen to you <laughs> um, oh, so speaking speaking of things that that uh, can be very crispy, if that's the way you like it. So this is not a noodle dish, but I just wanted to highlight the Hong Kong style crispy rice skillet recipe in the book is one of my favorite things I have ever made in my kitchen. Oh, like thank especially you. Wow. like you know I have. I've had clay pot rice in Hong Kong. You know, I loved it. It was like the whole experience was wonderful. And I was like, but I could never recreate that at home. I can get it at a restaurant in Seattle. And then like I made your your cast iron skillet version at home and it was like every bit as good and perfectly crisp and released perfectly. Everyone should buy the book and try that recipe too. Yay, wow. thank you. That's that, amazing. That was mine. Yay. I loved that one. Sarah really <laughs> late. Well, first my dad labored over that one and then- kind of passed it off, passed the baton to Sarah yeah. to, to, ta- to bring it on home. <laughs> we did a lot of recipe switching throughout the writing process when we were like, oh man, I'm really stuck on this one. You want to trade? And we would like trade recipes. Oh, that's that so we interesting. Struggling with. Yeah. So my dad was really struggling with that one. And I was like, dude, you got to soak the rice. And he was like, no, he's like, nah, that's not going to do anything. Is it? And I was like, let me try it. And I have to say, got that one on the first try. It was a good one. Oh, do, do you remember any any other notable recipe trades? This didn't even occur to me. When I was thinking of Sarah's the mango pudding, but I can't remember what I gave to you back. I don't remember, but we, we ended up cutting I that guess we cut the, the mango pudding. Yeah, but we it's cut on the, the blog. mango. Okay. It's on the blog, <laughs> but we did cut it out of the book. Um, I think that there were some, there were definitely some seafood recipes that we all just kind of pushed onto my dad because he is like, the king of preparing seafood and i was just like i don't know how to do this like can you do- <laughs> um yeah so it was funny you know when we were assigning the recipes to each of the four of us so each of us did around a quarter of the recipes in the book we definitely like played to each other's strengths uh so like my dad kind of led on a lot of the the meat and the fish dishes and then, you know, my mom did a lot of the uh, very traditional recipes. 
And then uh, my sister and I were, you know, where you see like lazy girl noodles <laughs> yeah. or like that kind of stuff is, is us. So yeah, it was really fun to write the book together. I yeah. think one that got kicked back and forth a lot, at least between me and my mom, was the Manto recipe. Mm-hmm. There's a recipe for like, it's like a a steamed white bread, sort of like a neutral, very neutral sort of fluffy white bun that's like popular in northern China as mm-hmm. like a substitute for rice, actually. So it can be eaten steamed like with savories or it can be eaten as a dessert dipped in condensed milk. As with most breads. Like, Manto is just, like, deceptively simple, but ultimately incredibly, like, beguiling to make at home successfully. Because there's all sorts of, like, litmus tests of, like, when you've, like, reached Manto Nirvana of, like, oh, if you, like, press it down, does it, like, slowly bounce back? And, like, the outside should be, like, very free of and minimal of bubbles and yeah. like the skin mm-hmm. quote unquote the skin should be like thin and like smooth and like i was just like driven to the brink of sanity with that recipe <laughs> sure so like my mom <laughs> my mom had to like step in she was like do you want me to help you and i was like yes please <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so so nice like such a nice way to work like molly and i have both not written not not cookbooks but but uh, food books with recipes and uh, we we did it like solo and the idea of like having like several family members to voice the tough recipes off on sounds really appealing mm-hmm. <laughs> it mm-hmm. is very nice so for people who are not already all up on the walks of life where can people find you online everybody can find us at the walksoflife.com or walksoflife.com oh, you both, got both. we'll Great. get you to Yes, ah, okay. both will get you to the same place. It's a recent development. Excellent. That is a recent <laughs> development. Um, and did you have to like pay some domain squatter? We did. So this this domain guy, like it was something like ten years ago, offered it to us for a lot of money, and I was like, that's okay we'll pass. Um, and then I think he just got tired of waiting and was like, listen, I'll give it to you for this. And I was like, okay, that's fair. Nice. We'll do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was good. But yes, thewalksoflife.com. We also have a YouTube channel, The Walks of Life. We're also on Instagram, we're on Facebook, and we are on Pinterest as well. All right. And the book is The Walks of Life, Recipes to Know and Love from a Chinese-American Family. I don't know why I'm holding it up because this is not a video podcast. Um, <laughs> Hey, we like to see it. Yeah, and you can get it wherever you get books. You know where to get books. So, Caitlin and Sarah, thank you again for being on Spilled Milk. This was a delight. Thank you so much. Thank you both. This was great. This episode is brought to you by Town Place Suites by Marriott. Whether you're traveling for work, need a place to stay while your home is being remodeled, or maybe you're just enjoying a relaxing week away, well, Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the comforts of home. Yeah, so they've got a full kitchen. Uh, they've got – you can borrow appliances. Like if you want a blender or a slow cooker while you're traveling, you can borrow it. No charge. <laughs> uh-huh. So like you could invite your friends or your coworkers over for like a post-meeting drink. You can bring your pet Totally allowed. Oh, I love this. Oh, I see. They even have special pet items you can use. And they have the built-in alpha closet system. Nothing makes me happier (laughs) when I am traveling and I have like a place to put away my clothes. Mm -hmm. Molly has seen what happens when I don't have a place to put away my clothes. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody. Nobody. Yeah. So like a whole closet system where I can really like unpack for reals. I am down. Well, this is made for you then. And this is Town Place 
Suites by Marriott. Town Place Suites by Marriott has all the amenities you need to feel at home during your stay. Find the comforts of home at Town Place Suites. Go there with Marriott Bonvoy. This episode is brought to you by Masterclass. Masterclass is the website that takes you from that thing you've always wanted to learn to learning that thing. Well, and you can learn it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. Oh, come on. Really the best in the world? Yeah. Like, remember I watched those videos with uh, with Steph Curry on, like, you know, how to have proper, like, basketball shooting form and That's stuff. That's right. You And you have been sinking so many threes <laughs> since then. It's ridiculous. I just can't stop. Um, okay. Well, I took... Took a class with Hans Zimmer, film composer. Maybe you've heard of <laughs> movies such as The Lion King. Mm. Maybe you've heard of Gladiator, yep. The Dark Knight. Dune. He did all of those. I loved And Dune. now he's teaching me how to do it. Like the art of making Has people feel to things. This? To, to teach me? Yeah. Yeah, because, because I've got a master class subscription. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you know, Matthew, I also hear that if you want to take a class, say, from like Alice Waters or Thomas Keller or even like Yotam Orolengi, you can get essentially what are like private lessons. Now, granted, they're they're. They're on masterclass. Yes. But private lessons. He from right. Odalengi doesn't come to your house, That's but right. virtually he does. That's right. So Masterclass makes all of this possible. And you get unlimited access to the very world's best teachers. And you will get 15% off an annual membership right now at masterclass.com slash spilled milk fifteen. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash spilled milk fifteen. Masterclass.com slash spilled milk one five. Do we need to say anything else about pan fried news? I feel like I feel like uh, Sarah and Caitlin really covered it. Do I have memory I, lane? My memory lane is like, you know, I used to I used to make this uh, when December was little and and sometimes they would say that their pick of the week was crispy noodle cake. That's it. I, I keep meaning to institute this pick of the week thing at my you household. But the thing is, is I don't I, I don't plan dinners as a lump like you do. When, hold on. Wait, when do you plan the menu for the week? I, I've really gotten out of out of the habit. Okay. And like now that we're empty nesters, like picks of the week don't happen as frequently, like usually just when December comes home for for holidays. And uh, it's, it's a lot it's a lot looser and more and more improvised these days because like I'm a I'm a chill I'm a chill older guy who just like, you know, lies, <laughs> lies around in a robe and, 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 and like weirdly creepy, I guess. I was waiting for you to finish the <laughs> sentence like I'm a creep. I, I'm just a chill older guy who lies. <laughs> around in a robe. I was That's like, right. where I mean, is this going to go? Most most of what I say on the show is a lie. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why we're really grateful that Sarah and Caitlin came in today to set the record straight. Yes. Uh, all right. So uh, shall, we, shall we do some segments? Yeah, Matthew, I've been snacking. Okay. My question to you based on that statement is, Hey, what you snacking? You gotta tell me what you're snacking. Or I'll release the Kraken. So what you snacking? What you snacking? Okay. At the time that we are recording this episode, because you know we always record a little bit before you, the listener, hears it. Not mm-hmm. live, for instance. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so Matthew recently got back from Tokyo, came over to my house to visit our baby, and brought me a literal sack full of treats from Tokyo. And oh, one yeah. of one of the treats was 
something you have mentioned in a recent episode. Matthew, would you pronounce it properly, what these rice crackers are? I, I think actually I'm like giving a different, a brand name of a different one. But the one, the one that I bought in the past, which I think is a slightly different brand is Waza Waza Kachiwade Sembe. Okay. Uh, so it's like deliberately smashed Sembe. Uh, the only part I could remember was Waza Waza because I really love it. I just it. call them Waza Wazas. Okay. W- Waza Waza means deliberately. I mean, for me, with my, like, with the particular vernacular of my head, I hear it a little bit like Fozzie the Bear, like Waka Waka. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. So anyway, Waza Waza, these broken, deliberately broken rice crackers, and they are, like, coated in this, like, spicy, slightly tingly stuff. And anyway, Matthew, they're so good. And yesterday, June June saw me eating some. And they're pretty spicy. Well, June was like, can I try one? And I was like, yeah, totally. And June was like, how spicy are they? And I decided not to Mm, to sugarcoat mm -hmm. it. I said, they're pretty spicy. June chowed down. They They, they are the same spice level as Flamin' Hot Cheetos. So of course, kids are going to like them. Question for you, Matthew. Yeah. If I wanted to be able to get some in the States. Can I find them at my local Asian market, you know, that carries a bunch of Japanese things? What do you think? That is a good question. I've gotten the non-spicy version of these at Owajimaya many times. I have not looked to see if they're carrying the spicy ones, but I'm hoping they are. I will report back to you on this soon. Okay. Or maybe we could even link to to some of them that could be, you know, ordered online in the show notes. So yeah, they seem they seem like they've gotten super popular in Japan. You know, they have them at uh, at the convenience stores, at the kombini. Like they'll have like individual size packs of the regular and the spicy. What I love about the the particular crunch of it is that like it's a really dense crunch. Rice crackers are a very different kind of crunch from say a flaming hot Cheeto, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. But these are even crunchier because oh yeah. Did I tell you my crunchy rice cracker story from a recent trip to Tokyo? I don't think so. Okay. There's this little teeny tiny tea cafe in Tokyo that I love uh, called Susumuya. It's a, uh, they're they're originally from Kagoshima and they have this little tiny outpost in Tokyo that really is a a walk-up counter that also has two seats. So I took wife of the show, Lori, to this, who's not a huge Japanese green tea fan. She likes the hojicha roasted tea better than the sencha green tea. But like for some reason, like I, I walked up to the counter and said, like, give me two senchas. And the sencha at this place is super bitter and intense the way I like it and not necessarily the way Watsa likes it. So she's like sipping this very bitter tea and she's like, <laughs> could we get a snack to go with this? Like, how about one of those sembes? Like, so they had a like a big sembe with rock sugar coating on it. Um, uh-huh. And uh, so I'm like, yeah, let's let's have one of those. Uh, so we, we cracked open this sembe and it was the loudest sembe in the world. <laughs> so we're sitting sitting in this this tranquil, <laughs> tiny little tea shop, like crunching like barbarians. It was very satisfying. Fantastic. (laughs) And it it was delicious. Okay. All right. Um, I look forward to seeing uh, maybe some some sources that we can find in the the show notes. Okay. I will definitely, I am on it. Okay. Matthew, what's your snacking? Oh, uh, I didn't anything? actually prep anything for this episode. Oh, that, that's cool. Because I feel like my whatcha snacking is sort of a collaborative whatcha It snack. is a collaborative snack. Yeah. Yeah. We were starting a new a new uh, startup called Snack Collab. Mm. Um, <laughs> it's a way for people like remote workers to collaborate on snacks. Mm. And uh, we're looking for, for uh, some venture capital 
Oh, yes. Yeah, we're always looking for venture capital. Pretend we're recording this before that bank collapsed and like venture capital exploded. (laughs) Um, uh, but Matthew, on the bright side, do we have any mail? We do. We do have some swelled mail. It's from listener Marina. I recently read this article from Gastro Obscura and was wondering if host Matthew has eaten a Tachibana. And uh, she links to an article from uh, the Gastro Obscura website by a uh, friend of the show and recent Now But Wow pick, Florentina Liao, um, who wrote an article about this traditional citrus fruit in Japan called the Tachibana. So uh, listener Marina continues. Years ago, I read an article in Lucky Peach Magazine, RIP, about these apricots that you can only get in Turkey, and it makes me really want to travel just to eat these things. Are there any rare foods that you, hosts and or producer of Spilled Milk Podcast, have eaten while traveling or would like to travel and eat? So my first off, I have not eaten a tachibana. I've eaten several other like uh, Japanese native citrus fruits, but not that one. Molly, have you have you eaten any like rare or unusual foods, special foods while traveling, or are there any you would like to? You know, I mean, something that comes to mind, Matthew, is so especially on, on the the first trip that I ever took to Tokyo with you, where it was just the two of us. Do you want to break into song? Just the two of us. There we go. We can snack it if we try. (laughs) So we went to Takano, which is the store that has all of these like expensive, fancy fruits. You know, this isn't exactly rare, but there's nowhere else that I can think of that I could get it. We went to the like parfait counter in Takano. The Puffario. And I had a melon parfait. And so it was like this, like the most perfectly ripe. It was a green melon, but it had like the most incredible aroma. Uh, It it wasn't your ordinary honeydew. It was just mind-blowingly good, this this melon. And, you know, I think that fruit is a really interesting... I'm so glad that Marina brought up fruit because I think that fruit is a really interesting case. Like, I'm thinking of this melon in at Takano. I'm also thinking of traveling in France and encountering plums that I'd never had before, like these green plums called Reine Claude or like Queen Claude plums, which I think now you can find in other places or even Mirabelle plums, which used to be Mm -hmm. harder to find. These like small yellowish and greenish plums, it just blew my mind that something as simple as a plum could be so different across an ocean. Oh, yeah. Fruit. Yeah, because fruit, like there are still like a lot of fruits that uh, that don't travel well. And so yeah. like it's something still be truly local. So well, when, oh, wait, I yeah. have another thought. Yeah. So, you know, like damson plums in the mm-hmm. UK, these tiny, like almost grape sized plums, right? And they have a, a pit inside, which leaves not a lot of room for, for flesh. And they are really, <laughs> they're really prized for, for making jam. Well, like, I don't know anybody who's growing dams and plums in large quantities in the States, except Mertaki in Washington State. So anyway, yeah, these fruits, really, I don't know why I keep thinking of plums, but these fruits that that are really prized in other places, I find it so exciting to encounter them, maybe even more than other more elaborate dishes. Like it's just, especially maybe because they're only available for short seasons. So it feels extra special when you happen to be there at the right time. 
what this made me think of, listener Marina's question is like, you know, I think a lot of like when someone says like, you know, we have like a prized rare local food, there is a stated or unstated, uh, you know, assumption that goes along with that. And which is that, you know, you visitor are probably going to find this challenging and maybe mm. even like, uh, you know, a lot of locals may find this challenging. And that is that is certainly true of some foods in Japan. So mm-hmm. I am trying to like have more of an open mind to those sort of things. Things. Like not not that I've closed minded about them, but just like going in with the assumption like, you know, this is a rare prize thing because some people really enjoy eating it. And maybe I could be one of those people, too. And so like a couple of, of examples that that come to mind. So so one one is a thing that I didn't eat and wish I had, which is uh, many years ago, we we took a trip to Thailand. We ate a couple times at this restaurant called Walampong Food Station, which uh, is one of the best restaurants I've ever been to in my life. And they had on the specials board an ant egg omelet that I kept looking up at and being and being like, I wonder what that's like. And I didn't try it. And I wish I had. More recently in Japan, did I already mention the the buttered potato dish that we got? Ooh, that sounds familiar to me, but I don't, it could just be because butter and potatoes so, always sound so familiar So there's actually like a phrase in, in Japanese that means like rare taste or special taste that refers to this kind of food that is, you know, not to everyone's taste, but is uh, probably expensive and interesting and some, and some people really go for. And one of those things is shiokata, which is um, salted, fermented seafood or shellfish innards. Hmm. So we had this this uh, this dish that I did not realize was going to contain this when I ordered it, but was um, like foil roasted potatoes with butter and squid shiokata. So like some hmm. some part of the squid that has been uh, salted and fermented for quite a while, I think, mm-hmm. uh, maybe like for a year. And so it's like very salty, very intense and funky and has like a chewy texture that is no longer really like what you expect of like either raw or cooked squid. And did I like actively like it? Not really, but like I was, you know, excited that we had gotten something rare and unexpected. And I really liked the kind of like, you know, intense savory undertone that it gave to the whole dish, even though I didn't eat many of the actual like squid bits. Uh Uh-huh. And we also like I probably talked about this also, but we um we had we had some mountain vegetables at another meal. And mountain vegetables is like, you know, it's it's like wild gathered foraged stuff that uh, is generally like not cultivatable. And we're talking different from like a mountain yam. Different from a mountain yam. So that okay. that's not technically considered a mountain vegetable, even though it has mountain in the name, I think, because it's because it can be cultivated. Mm-hmm. These are these are more like, you know, seasonal things like, uh, you know, like the North American equivalent, I think would be like ramps. Like okay. you really only get them in season and they're and they're only like wild gathered. Um, okay. And so we had uh, uh, one one of those that we had on this trip was, was called uh, Fuki, which is uh, which translates as butter burr in English. Okay. Um, and uh, we had it two different two different parts of the plant that I don't think I even realized when I was ordering were two p- different parts of the same plant until I like looked it up on my little dictionary app. But it's sort of like a you know like a celery like watery stalk with like a flowering head, and both parts are eaten. So okay. we had we had like a you know kind of lightly dressed salad of the of the stalks, which I found more challenging. They have like you know they they look and chew like celery, but have a very different flavor. 
flower with kind of like a sweetness to them. Oh. And then the flower buds, like the the flowering, the the inflorescences were were served in like a goma eye, like a uh, like a sesame uh-huh. dressing, and that I love, just like a intensely like chewy texture and like very like green vegetal flavor. I was like all over that dish. Oh man, so, I love hearing about this. Oh, I'm so glad. I I want to encounter more like rare foods while traveling in the future and like try and be like more open to enjoying them than maybe I have been in the past. Good job, Matthew. And thank you, listener Marina, for asking us such a great question. And of course, we'll we'll link to to listener Flory's article uh, in the show notes. Great. Well, Matthew, anything else that we want to add? No, I'm just I'm just so excited we got to talk to two of the walks of life. I know. It's like a, a true brush with celebrity. I They're know. amazing. Okay. Well, our producer is Abby Circatella. Also, like, it's great that we get to work with producer Abby, celebrity producer. Yes, it's true. It's true. Um, she she produced, um, you know, when um, when uh, Paula Abdul and MC Scat Cat did that <laughs> podcast where they like did like a, a re-listen to all of Paula Abdul's, Abdul's albums and talked about a different song on each episode. Was and that went, like Ab- Abdul Island Discs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And uh, yeah, love, love that show that, that we just made up. Um, uh-huh. yep. <laughs> I, I wish we, we should, we should like, uh, I, I need to re-listen to that song, which I haven't listened to in a while. So, so that next time you make an MC Scat Cat, like, you know, feed me an MC Scat Cat <laughs> line, like I can follow up with, with, with the actual line, because all I will ever come up with is, I like to smoke. Uh, oh, it's okay, because I messed up my part, too. I thought that I was being so, so smart, like feeding you the first half. But then when when I completed it after you messed up with the smoking part, I got it wrong, too. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, this is really for the jury to decide at this yeah. point. Like, you yeah. know, we've done the crime. We're going to do the, the time. Okay. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Like you can say, say like, uh, it's it's better than that MC Scott Cat podcast that doesn't exist. <laughs> Uh, You can chat with other Spilled Milk listeners on Reddit at everythingspilledmilk.reddit.com. Thanks to the listener who um, I think on the last episode, I asked if there was like a Tinder for friends and we and we called it friend grinder. And someone someone posted and said, yeah, there is something like that. So thank you to that person. Thank you. Well, thank you for listening to Spilled Milk, the show that we've been we've been like like crisping together so long. You'll never pull us apart. Oh, that's so good, Matthew. Thanks. I'm Holly Weisenberg. And I'm Matthew Hipster Burton. <laughs> Let's so, go to segments. Okay. Do, I, do we, Wait, uh, ever been to Delaware? If not, now's the time to visit. You'll find a lot of fun in a little state. Since you can drive anywhere in the state in a couple of hours, you'll spend less time driving and more time enjoying. Explore from the bays to the beaches, stroll the boardwalks, and have an oceanside bonfire. Get a taste of Delaware at one of the award-winning restaurants and enjoy a local craft brew. See the first state's unique historic landmarks and experience Delaware's endless discoveries. Plan your adventure today at visitdelaware.com.